The title of this morning's sermon is Always Trust God, No Matter What. The text this morning, I've never done this before, the text this morning is the fifth and sixth chapters of Daniel. So I will be just picking some verses out, but I would encourage you to read actually Daniel chapter 3, Daniel chapter 5, and Daniel chapter 6 is kind of the text this morning, and I'll throw in a couple New Testament verses also. A young man who was preaching his very first sermon announced his text in Revelation 22, and he read, Behold, I come quickly. And then he couldn't remember the rest of what he was going to say. He thought for a moment, and he rem remembered at preaching school, they told him that if you draw a blank like that, you repeat your text again. So he said, with a little more emphasis, behold, I come quickly. He still could not remember the rest of where he was going to head with that statement. So frustrated and frantically, he started to raise his voice. And with real emphasis, he stepped and shouted, Behold, I come quickly. To which he tripped and fell into the lap of an old lady sitting on the front row. To his embarrassment, he apologized to her Fusely. But she turned and said, Sonny, don't feel bad. You warned me three times you were coming, and I still didn't get out of the way. My message this morning is about a man. We'll come back to that at the very end. My message this morning is about a man in the Bible named Daniel and his three friends. What do we know about Daniel? If Daniel could be here right now, I'm sure he would say to us, Always trust in God, no matter what. Again, something I've never asked you to do, but I'd like you to mentally repeat to yourself these words. Always trust God, no matter what. Always trust God, no matter what. Always trust God, no matter what. You see, Daniel trusted God for all of his life. As a child, he was growing up in Jerusalem. His parents must have taught him about this wonderful God. They must have taught him that he should always follow God's laws, no matter what. Evidently, as a child, Daniel had some friends named Hananiah, Mishaiah, and Azariah, which, when they were probably teenagers, everything changed for them. A Babylonian king named Nebuchadnezzar went to war against Jerusalem, and he won. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar had what I think was a brilliant idea. It was a mentoring. We have talked about mentorships. That was to bring some of the older boys of royal or leading families back to Babylon, not exactly being held as hostages, but rather to train them in the ways of the Babylonians to be future leaders of their own people. So after winning the war, 
He took some of the older boys, what we'd consider the teenagers, young adults, like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishaiah, and Azariah, back to his country's capital, Babylon. Now, the people who lived in Babylon did not know about God. They did not know God's laws. And they did not know that God loved them also. Like Daniel knew that God would. But Daniel remembered what his parents had taught him. Growing up, they would say to him, always trust God, no matter what. King Nebuchadnezzar put these older captive boys, including Daniel and his friends, in a special training program, which they could learn all kinds of things that would make them capable leaders and made them friendly, friendly with the Babylonians. Of course, this training program did not follow God's laws. So as favored trainees, they were served the rich foods that privileged people in the palisade. They were treated as one of all of these, you know, privileged people in the palace. But much of that food was the kind of food and drink that went against God's laws for Israel. So Daniel went to the official in charge of the trainees. And he said, in effect, basically, he would say, we want to obey our God's laws. So please let me and my three friends just drink water instead of the wine that you serve. And let us eat vegetables instead of what the others are eating. The official replied, I can't do that. You have to eat what the king provides. But Daniel says, says to them, we have to do what our God says, not the king, our God. Let me and my friends eat the way my God's laws says. And after a few days, you will see that we will be stronger and healthier than any of, the, any of these other young men. Fair enough, right? Daniel knows that he's going to trust God. Basically, you'd say, well, he's putting God to the test. I think that he's basically saying, no matter what, whether we really are stronger or not, this is what we're going to do. We are going to follow God's way no matter what. So the official decided to give it a try. God honored their efforts. And after a trial period of 10 days, it was obvious that Daniel and his friends definitely looked stronger and healthier than any of the other young men. It was all because God blessed them and they remembered what their parents taught them. And what was that? Always trust God no matter what. And if people trusted God, that they too would be stronger and healthier because God's word tells us how to live a good and healthy life following his example. Peace. How many people today in society pray for peace? How many times do you sit and imagine a peaceful spot? You say, oh my, that's my place that I sit in solitude, my place of peace. But yet the Bible talks about a peace that passeth all understanding. Come unto me, Jesus says, all ye that are heavy 
or basically you'd say the weight of the world on your shoulders. All of you that are sorrowed, overworked, overburdened, come and I shall give you rest. Well, years went by. God watched over Daniel and his friends while they grew from boys to men. King Nebuchadnezzar was so impressed with Daniel's abilities to interpret dreams and with his wisdom that he placed them in a powerful position in Babylon. He also gave Hananiah, Mishaiah, and Azariah, whose names were changed, which I prefer. If you notice, I stumble over those. Those names were changed to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gave them important positions also. For years, they served God and King Nebuchadnezzar faithfully, despite the fact that there were times they had to choose to disobey the king to obey God's laws. They had to remain faithful. They chose to trust God no matter what. When some Babylonians reported to the king, you always got those snitches, don't you? You always got those people we were talking about in our Bible study this morning. You always got that people that are jealous or envious or whatever. They had to quickly run to the king and report that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't bowing down to the golden statue that the king had commanded that they, and he said, well, bring them to me. What did it hurt those people? It didn't. But yet, we see that these people, as you call them, busybodies or whatever, had to get involved. People that try to discourage us in our daily lives. People that stand in opposition and try, why would you do that? Why? Is it really worth the time and effort? Daniel would have to say, yes. Always trust God, no matter what. What does Exodus 20, verses 3 through 5 tell us? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. Hmm. The king ordered the four of them to bow down and worship the golden statue, or they were going to be thrown into a, a furnace. Hmm. Then in Daniel 3, 17 and 18, they refused to follow this king. If you throw us into the blazing furnace, the king we serve is able to save us from the fire. But even if God does not save us, we want you, O king, to know this, that we shall not serve your gods or worship the golden statue you have set up. So that's back in Daniel 3. Doesn't that sound like, hmm, they're saying to themselves, always trust God, no matter what. It's the four of them versus the king and the Babylonian society at that time. How many times have we said, well, everyone else is doing it? At this time, the king had to say, well, everyone else is doing it. But Daniel and his friends say, well, that may be the case. But as for me and my house, taking a whole different section there, 
kind of like what someone else individually said. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Daniel's saying, as for me and my friends, we will trust God no matter what. As a result of Daniel and his three friends, King Nebuchadnezzar began to respect. He's earning respect. Their God, even though he didn't go so far as to worship their God himself. King Nebuchadnezzar had a long reign before he died. Then a new king, Belshazzar, becomes the ruler of Babylon. His friend, from what we understand, his father had really inherited the title and the throne, but he didn't want the responsibilities. So he spent his time far away in a kind of what you would picture a resort area, enjoying himself. Under the new king, Daniel no longer held the very important position he had under Nebuchadnezzar. And we don't hear anything more about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Belashar was an arrogant ruler. And soon, the combined forces of the Medes and the Persians declared war and began a long siege of Babylon. But Belshazzar was confident that the defenses of the city were so good that there was no way the enemy could even break through. He was almost right. This way of thinking reminds me of the foolish and earthly comment made by those who designed the Titanic. We understand that they used the words that even God himself couldn't sink it. Do we find it ironic, coincidence, that on the maiden voyage, it never made its destination? It sank. So to celebrate how and invincible the Babylon was, Belshazzar knows that they're going to be an invincible. He puts confidence in himself. A lot of worldly people do that, don't they? Oh, baby, we know of an individual that said, drink and be merry. We'll build bigger barns. And what words do we hear in the New Testament? Thou fool, tonight thou soul shall be required of thee. Here, almost very similar. We see King celebrating. Oh, there's no way Babylon's going to be destroyed. So he threw a grand party for like a thousand royal guests. It turned into a drunken party. Not only was that bad enough, but he ordered the gold and silver cups that had been taken from the temple in Jerusalem to be brought in. And they drank for them while praising their own gods. Hmm. Daniel 5, verse 6, one of the verses from Daniel 5. Suddenly, the fingers of a giant hand appeared and began to write on the palace wall. Think about that for a moment. These people are drinking. And all of a sudden, you see a giant hand just appear from nowhere. If anybody ever watched the Adams Family and, you know, thing that hand that just popped up to see a hand start writing on the wall don't think 
that that doesn't guide everybody's attention. Whether they're aware or not, whether they realize they're drunk or not, that gets everybody's attention. Also, how many people don't believe the Bible exists and so on? But yet, think about it. It always gets me. How many references the common world, atheist people, make to references in the Bible? How many times do you hear, well, they'll see the handwriting on the wall and these different biblical events that took place. The king watched this and the Bible says he was very frightened. His face turned white, his knees knocked together and he could not stand up because his legs were too weak. Hmm. You talk about a conviction. He immediately sent for And if we go down to verse 9 now in Daniel 5, he sent for all the magicians, wise men, and wizards of Babylon. And he offered a great reward to anyone who could read the words and tell what they meant. But no one could. So he became even more afraid, and his face became even whiter. Hmm. Another phrase we use. Became like white. White as if a ghost. Then the king's mother told him of Daniel, who had been brought and been an advisor team, King Nebuchadnezzar. It'd be a nice Mother's Day um, sermon, wouldn't it? Here's his mom. His mom has to bail him out. The king's mother tells him, there's somebody in here that can help you. When Daniel's brought in, he reminded Belshazzar of all the things that had happened to King Nebuchadnezzar and how he had finally learned humility before God. Talk about patience. I didn't figure out the number of years, but the years that have spanned, Daniel growing up with his parents, always trust God no matter what. Going through the fiery furnace with his friends, always trust God no matter what. The lion's den coming up. Always trust God, no matter what. So Belshazzar had not only ignored God, but had deliberately insulted God by his drunken use of the holy cups from the God's temple to raise and praise his own pagan gods. Then Daniel translated the words and explained their meaning. God had passed judgment on him and his kingdom would be taken from him and given to the Medes and the Persians. The king ignored these words, doesn't he? But since Daniel had explained what the words on the wall meant, Belshazzar kept his word and ordered that rich gifts be given to Daniel and announced that Daniel would, under him, be the next most important man in Babylon. He's doing it, but he doesn't really need it. Reluctantly, you would say, I'm going to do this. But it didn't make any difference. That very night, the enemy broke into Babylon and king uh, killed, from what I understand, King Belshazzar. And within a short time, the entire Babylon kingdom was controlled by the Medes and the Persians. The ruler of the new kingdom was King Darius of the Medes. But no matter what the king was in charge of, Daniel reminded and remembered what his parents taught him. Always trust God, no matter what. 
King Darius reorganized this kingdom. He appointed 120 men to be governors. He chose three men to be supervisors over the governors. He chose Daniel to be one of those three supervisors to be over the governors. Daniel was a good ruler. He was wise, he was fair, he was honest. Why? He followed God's plan. So it probably was, it was tough, but yet easy enough to follow in God's plan. So he's following that. And he planned to make Daniel the only supervisor over all the 120 governors. Almost everyone appreciated Daniel. <laughs> Almost everyone. But what happens? But a few did not. What we know about Daniel, he was not a Mede. He was not a Persian. He was not even a Babylonian. He was just a captive Jew. Some people didn't like that. They did not believe in Daniel's God. And they wanted to find a way to make King Darius stop favoring Daniel. So, of course, we know what's going to happen. We know that story. They did see that Daniel did something different from all the people. They, he prayed three times a day. He would kneel down and pray to God. Always remember God, no matter what. That gives, gives these evil men an idea. Hmm. Again, he's not like the other. God talks to us about being a peculiar people. Not that we are weird or unusual, but that we stand out because we follow God's way. We're not of the world. Daniel's not of the worldly things that's going on at that time. The men went to King Darius and said, Oh, King, live forever. That's the first thing that everybody was supposed to say at that time. When you approach the king, Oh, King, live forever. We have a good idea to really unite the kingdom. Let's make a law that says for the next 30 days that you must bow down to you, King Darius. And if anyone breaks this law, they will be thrown into the lions. And they said, everyone thinks this is a great idea. Let's go public opinion. Everyone thinks it's a great idea. King Darius believed their lie. He thought everyone, even Daniel, thought that this was a good law. So he signed a paper and made it law. There was a problem. If the king signed a law, then no one, including the king, could change it. Well, soon after Darius signed this law, these evil men went to Daniel's house and waited for him to come to his window and pray to his God. Daniel knew about the new law, but Daniel thought, oh, all my life I've obeyed my God. And I'm not going to stop now. So Daniel remembered the words, always trust God no matter what. Always trust God no matter what. So Daniel went to the window and prayed just like he did every day. Now, I'd have to think here for a moment. When I was growing up and I heard this story the first time, I would think, wouldn't God understand that Daniel could change? Wouldn't God understand if Daniel didn't pray? Wouldn't God understand for 30 days not to pray? It's just 30 days. This thing was made for 30 days. So what if I don't pray to God for 30 days just to save my own life? And then I could go back to praying to God. What's wrong with that? That's how people reason nowadays, isn't it? We obviously know what is Daniel told. Always trust in God no matter what. What does God expect of us? 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, being, soul, and self. Be thou found faithful unto death. And others, of course, that we could use. So, Jesus says, if you believe, if you um, love me, keep my commandments. So Daniel went to the window and he prayed, just like he did every day. Those evil men, what are they going to do? That talks about they go running to the king. They couldn't wait to tell the king about this new law and that Daniel just broke it. King was dismayed. The king is saddened, but he knows he can't change the law. So Daniel 6, verse 17. So when they threw Daniel into the pit full of hungry lions, the king said, Daniel, I find this interesting. The king can't change what has happened. But notice what the king says. Talk about a little bit of a belief here. The king says, Daniel 6, 17, Daniel, may your God whom you always serve come to rescue you. He even says, you know what? There's no, there's no hope from anyone else. Or maybe the, the God that you have always served, always served. Always serve God no matter what. Even the king now is convinced, Daniel, may that God serve you. Then the king went back to his palace afraid that he'd never see Daniel again. And it talks about in Daniel 6, 18 through 24, talks about how the king can't sleep. The king doesn't, he doesn't want entertainment. He, I think that he doesn't want food. He doesn't want anything. All he wants is the morning to come. We've all been in that situation. The morning couldn't come quick enough for him to find out what happened. He goes running. He calls out to Daniel. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God that you always worship been able to save you from the lions? That's his first thought. What does Daniel reply? Oh, king, live forever. Remember what the... That's what you're supposed to say at that time period. He cries out, O king, live forever. Probably the most joyous words that that king has ever heard. My God sent his angel to close the lion's mouths. They have not hurt me because my God knows I am innocent. I never did anything wrong to you, O king. The king told his servants to lift Daniel out of the lion's den, so they lifted him out and did not find any injury on him. Because Daniel had trusted God no matter what. Then the king commanded, of course, the men, and you know the rest of the story. The men, the women, the children, everybody else that was involved, they got their punishment. I only bring that up to, to re also remember that when we say, well, everyone else is doing it, well, those people, everyone else right there that was involved got their punishment. God tells us that in Matthew 25. Not everybody just says to me, Lord, Lord, but he that does the will. He talks about Matthew 25, parting right and left. Those who will be saved, those that will not. As plain as day. Many will say to you, it doesn't make any difference what you're good. God, God is a loving God. God will save everybody. Always trust God no matter what. But God has stipulations that we must do. He that repent, he that believeth, he that is baptized, be thou found faithful. He that loves the Lord his God with all his heart, mind, soul, being, and self. We know that there's so much more. We know that King Darius wrote a letter to all the people in the kingdom in every language, 
And he said, I am making a new law. This is Daniel 6, 26 to 28, making a new law for people in every part of the kingdom. All of you must fear and respect the God of Daniel. Look at that impact. It went from one person probably being convinced, always trust God no matter what. Then we got four people. Then we go back to one person. Then we got one person and a king. Well, mom, wait a minute, mom that reminds the king of things. And now we've got a king making a decree to everyone. Daniel's God is the living God. He lives forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. God rescues and saves people and does mighty miracles. He is the one who saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel was successful during the time Darius was king and Cyrus the Persian was king. That is my point. I think you got it. Always trust God no matter what. From the time he was a little boy all the way until he got old and died, Daniel always remembered God and what his parents taught him. Always trust God no matter what. And from the Bible, we have, we have confidence that Daniel will be in heaven with God. Now I'd like to just conclude with the words that I started with. The man who was trying to instill on his audience in the opening illustration by saying the words, behold, I come quickly. These words were spoken by Jesus. Revelation 22, verses 12 through 14, and I'd like to close with these verses. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the, city, into the city. I'm sure that is what we are all striving for this morning. If there's anyone, need in the anyone in need of the invitation, you have the opportunity to come forward as together we stand and sing our song of invitation.